because uh, it's kind of getting late. So yeah. Yeah. Do you feel, feel like any pressure from having two really successful episodes <laughs> in the past? <laughs> Is this like the third really tough one? Yeah, it's probably gonna be uh, the first tough one because we did so well <laughs> on the previous ones. How are we gonna? Yeah, how are we, <laughs> how how are we gonna, gonna beat ourselves? Yeah. It's impossible. Couldn't be done. Um, but we're gonna try. Um, what did we say we were going to talk about today? Well, one of the points that we had is uh, is regarding your alpha testing process. Yeah. Uh, because uh, you showed that you had got some, not contenders, but people that are signing up to be alpha uh, testers. Yeah. Uh, how's that selection process going for you? Oh, yeah. the Because uh, I was thinking that I was going to be like selecting, actually selecting people and... Because what I want to do is I want to have people uh, sign up and use the app and then give me some feedback that I can actually use. And that means that I need to have like a restricted amount of people that actually can give me that feedback because otherwise I won't be able to go through it all. And it's already almost gone out of hand. Um, I think if I was to guess, because I haven't counted uh, the emails, but I think there's like 200 maybe. Uh, that have signed up, like emailed me, I want to be a beta tester. So um, now you know that you have 200 that sees the whole video. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Uh, that's 200 really of the most dedicated <laughs> people watching the full video. So that's really good. Uh, but yeah, it's really difficult to select from 200 people that are actually writing emails, like saying, motivating why I should choose them as a beta tester. So uh, what I'm thinking that I'll do is I'll just like, potentially let all of them, uh, everyone that wants to be a beta tester can be a beta tester. Because I still think that the amount of people that actually want to try the app is more than the people that want to be beta testers. Mm. So I'm thinking that if I let everyone who wants to be a beta tester be a beta tester, and then I just let everyone send me emails about different bugs, and then I can just find some sort of way of sorting through like the relevant bugs in which will probably be even harder because if you have 200 people uh, all looking for bugs and maybe each one of them finds like two or three then it's going to be like a lot of bugs to just go through and uh, figure out which ones i should solve but i think that could be interesting for um, the vlog or the the videos that i make as well to show like that i'm actually fixing bugs that people uh, suggest that i should fix and bring up and i think it might be funny too because i think there's probably going to be bugs that i haven't thought of uh that people will do weird things and uh break the app try to break the app yeah, yeah. so um that's kind of where i'm at um with the alpha testing and i'm pretty close to a release i think of the alpha uh depending on when this comes out uh hopefully i'll have an alpha released actually i think do you have could you like classify or categorize the different types of bugs in a system where people can mark that oh this is this type of bug mm. and then you can read more about the bugs so you don't get like a lot of bugs and you have to classify it by yourself afterwards so can you do it oh, pre yeah. um maybe if there's like a system because right now the only system is like sending an email in and saying like this is a bug that i found and I don't know if people could potentially like um, 
if we say like okay the the title of the bug uh or the yeah if they potentially like give a title to it like okay this is a category three bug yep. then they could have that as the title of the email that they send in like category three but the the problem with that is that there's a potential that people will want me to read an email so they'll say that it's a category x because that's the most like um all hands on deck type of bug. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, know. do you think that your testers are going to be, I mean, it's also hard for someone that might not have that much experience in programming to know what type of a bug would be category three. Like you mm. have to define, like predefine uh, yeah. the different categories uh, beforehand. And it might be hard to like, for people to actually understand those definitions and know that this is a category three, this is category two, yeah. this is category one. Yeah, that's true. I I noticed like there's a lot of people or at least a few people that I noticed that are actually like what's called QA testers, which I don't know even. I don't even know if I can explain that, but I think because uh, I don't know if I even know what it is <laughs> myself, but I think that it is essentially a person that works in a company as a programmer that is in charge of like testing apps essentially or testing uh, the software that they're working on the, the company. And they're literally like in charge of doing what I want the beta testers to be doing. So I think there's a fair amount of people that actually have that sort of experience even. And I think there's like below that, there's just the regular programmer, the person who just <clears throat> wants to test the app and knows a little bit. I think that there's not too many people that don't know anything about programming that uh, are email, emailing me about it, but there's probably more than I think there is so what yeah. what is what is an alpha tester or a beta tester like what does that mean for those of the listeners that don't know yeah so this is something that i didn't know uh until like uh, a couple videos ago because i asked uh, my audience for like to tell me what it was because i i kept saying like i'm just going to release like a really er early version of the app it's not even going to be a beta version but it's going to be a super early beta but apparently that's called an alpha or pre-alpha test so it's essentially i think it's like there was a lot of different steps so it's more than the ones that i remember but i think it's like pre-alpha alpha beta and then there's something else that comes along and then there's the final actually uh full app release do you remember the process because when you developed your uh, i mean you're not a programmer but you were in the process of developing an app yeah uh, and you were sitting during these meetings listening to what they were saying do you remember how they how they went uh, how they tackled this problem i think that well we didn't have that many people testing it so if you have 200 mm. that's really good because then mm. you will like i think our developer said and he had a lot of experience that he was like uh, you can get a lot from like 30 people Mm. you will know like 90 percent of the problems by then oh, okay but the thing is that the, you won't get the there will always be people seeing new things that mm. you won't see by yourself if you click it through so mm. the more you have the better but one way of doing it is that you can categorize alpha and uh, beta as different type of bug testing that you can have mm. I only want you to look for these things yeah. when you do the alpha test mm -hmm. or pre-alpha. And when you have the beta, you want 
that they trash the app even more or yeah. whatever because they want you you want them to find all the solutions to mm. make the app not work yeah. and maybe you can be like uh, i want you to only focus on the profile side and in oh, the yeah. next w- next one is i want you to do it in this mm. um this side on the app basically mm. yeah. so but i don't remember actually yeah. um we we released it a bit too early okay. but that's also because you want to hear because that's your audience, so you want to hear from them. What are, what are yeah. they thinking? And the biggest risk you have there is that if you get too many people in the app too early, um, they will they will like not believe in your company because they're like, this app is not good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so your brand will be affected by yeah. it. But if it's like hundred people, that's not a problem mm-hmm. because oh. it's very cheap to buy them back in marketing. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I didn't really think that about that, but that's probably true that they could like affect their opinions of the app if it's just like because there's the potential that i release an app and like on certain screens the different things that i've built look wonky and it doesn't feel right and then a person might be like okay this obviously is way beyond or way uh way too far away from something that i would actually want to use because i think there's a lot of people that probably have emailed me wanting to be beta testers that uh are not super interested in like using a bad app uh mm. in that sense but they, ju- they just want to try the app because i've built an app and they've seen me building it um but so, yeah, i, th- I think that's better though it's better if they if they have applied or they have reached reached out mm. to you to try to uh, to test this app i think they still have like um a feeling of that they are a part of a process. But mm-hmm. if you do some sort of marketing with an influencer or whatever, mm-hmm. and they tell you, use this app for uh, exercising, no. they think when they download the app that it should be working. Oh, it yeah. would work. That's true. Different so expectations. Yeah, so yeah. it's different expectations. Yeah. I was just thinking, so let's say I'm, a, I'm an app developer yeah. and I have zero followers on Instagram yeah. and YouTube or Facebook. Um, no friends at all no friends at all nothing yeah i'm secluded completely alone in my room just in your basement yeah in my parents basement how do i how do i reach these people how do i reach people how do i get people to use it or do i have to do the beta testing by myself oh yeah i i don't know i think i think the common thing is probably to like give it to your friends and like oh yeah could you see what you find um, I think that's probably the most common case in in that case, um, but it depends. Like if you're really like serious about what you're saying now, like if you're if you're saying that the person actually has zero people in their connection, like no friends, nothing else, uh, then I I don't know. I have no idea. Like, I, I mean, think you just want to try to find different kind of people because I had my dad trying our app when we did it, mm. and he were he didn't even understand and he wasn't understanding the concept of like tinder no. so he was like he had uh, declined every job offer that he wanted okay. <laughs> that he wanted to <laughs> try so i was like okay now i have to go to the database and redo yeah. everything but so but that was good as well no. because there maybe is some people that no. is not knowing how you do and yeah. then you have to think about that should we have some sort of information in the beginning when you download the app how you do it like a pre preset mm. or and whatever and you can have people that know exactly what to do yeah but they will find other things that isn't working so you want like a broad perspective on Mm. the on the people who are trying and maybe 
then prioritize which are the most valuable comments or testing experiences that I want to put an effort to to yeah. fix. Yeah, I guess like you could potentially like if you if you're if you're that person for real and you have no no one really that could test your app for you, uh, what you could do is you could like think about because you probably have a place where that app would be useful unless it's only useful for you, in which case you don't really need beta testers because you're only building it for yourself. But probably you have some sort of like marketplace for that app whether it's like uh the gym for me or um i don't know the supermarket or uh, restaurants or something like that and what you could do then is you could go to those places and you can try to look for people that could potentially want to try the app uh, for free or like as a beta tester which i guess like the thing is like if we're restricting ourselves to that specific stereotype of a person then uh, it's going to be programmer. we could talk about things like okay is that is that person going to feel comfortable going up to random <laughs> people and like asking for this probably not <laughs> but yeah because it seems like if you're in that situation then you're probably not super comfortable going up to random but that's a really good thing though to do yeah. E- yeah, even even if you have some friends yeah. if you want to try to get the right experience from the right person yeah. you can go to those places yeah. and i think that a lot of people feel uh if they feel needed they want to do it for you they will be like oh no. yeah that that's really cool yeah. i will of course download the app and i can send you uh send you some a few comments on it yeah yeah, yeah. i exactly. mean th- th- that's very true because uh in a way like your dad he wasn't in in any way looking for any job he wasn't trying to apply for a job and maybe if you reach out to people your friends or family and they they're not really into training let's say uh, they might not understand all of these functions. What is mm, intensity? Yeah. What is volume? What what do these things mean? No. And what what are the accurate values? Or what 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 am I supposed to expect from this yeah. function? But they can see that oh, when I click on the login screen, it's not working. Yeah, it's exciting to have beta testers like lined up at least. So it's going to be very interesting. I'm and I'm, I am super excited to like release it and see what people think of it. One thing you could do uh, in the future, I mean, now it's you have 200 people, but once you make it uh, available for public use for everyone, yeah. um, you could actually make a YouTube video. This is just something, just this yeah. idea that I had. You can make a YouTube video and you can uh, try to get your followers or your your watchers or listeners to, to comment on the YouTube video. Mm. And depending on how many likes... Uh, the comments get no. there might be like okay if this this one comment says that this thing isn't working mm. and it gets a thousand likes yeah. you know that yeah a lot of people agree with this person yeah. this is something they have to check out yeah. because now 200 people is going to be quite a lot of information for you to to go through yeah but if you have like 10,000 it's going to yeah. be way way worse it's going to yeah, be so hard for, for sure. you to try to find out what are the relevant bugs yeah. uh, so trying to use your like the comment section on, on a chat like a video yeah. maybe uh, would be an efficient way to to find yeah. the most relevant bugs. Yeah, that's really smart because I think, and I think that's a really good uh, kind of fun way to do it as well to make sure that people feel uh, like they're part of the app and that they can actually affect the app. Uh, because usually when you download an app, you're like, okay, yeah, sure, I don't like this feature or I feel like there's a bug here or there, but you don't really have a connection with whoever's built the app, so you can't really be like, oh. I'm going to send them an email. You might do that, but then you're going to be like the super dedicated person that actually sends an email to uh, the place. 
and i think in this way uh, a lot of more people can be actually involved in like okay we i think you should add this feature for instance that could be something that people will comment in the comment section and then based on that i could potentially do that feature and it could show that i'm actually taking input and uh, in real time kind of implementing that and using it in the app uh, which is something I think is very interesting too with this, like the concept of showing uh, the journey and building it out live in front of an audience. But I think it's in interesting that it feels like every company, you usually have to go through the beta testing. It, it won't, won't necessarily be an app. It could be like if you create a car or mm. have a new new clothes or whatever, you just like have to have that beta version out to see how people react to it no. but it feels like that we are not talking about the beta version if, when i studied eco economics no. we didn't talk about the beta versions no. for products or, no. or when i listen to other podcasts or whatever they don't talk about the beta versions no. but it's i think the beta version is where you can gather so much information on how people use it but there's no like actual system for it yeah. as you said you you yeah. didn't know it already yeah. before how how you should do when you had the app on youtube and people were like oh you can do alpha said alpha test and then a beta test and whatever yeah it's really weird that we haven't that you haven't heard about it before yeah that's true that could also be on me <laughs> that i'm just very specific that i haven't heard of it but I think that's true. It's, I think it's a very, a very valuable thing that can be done with beta testing because you can get that information from those early adopters, the ones that are like the most excited about whatever you're building. And then you can uh, use that feedback to like make sure that the first version of the app that you release, that the MVP is actually a little bit more robust. And I don't know how it works in like the in the like full-on industry where people b build apps as like huge companies but i feel like beta testing is probably something that usually is refined to within a company it feels like an in-house uh, kind yeah. of thing because it's probably taking too much resources and time and i mean also if there's sensitive information um whether that oh, be yeah. databases whatever um like giving out a beta version of your app mm. um, might be kind of like a, it might be quite a lot of risk yeah. uh, connected to that, like that way of using an app, so. And it's also like, it's a new industry. So it's something that's like being, uh, the path is being laid out right now. It's not something that's been around for that long. I guess software has been around for ages, but um, it's still something that's quite new this like, the the ease for people to just build an app and give beta testers the opportunity to test that app out spotify created a new user interface not long ago okay. and it felt like it took them one and a half month to get it like really good okay. so w when they released the first push it felt like oh, this is not good the banner is oh. too high up or whatever mm. but now it looks really good mm. so they probably just had done the they fixed everything and yeah. then they just pushed it and a lot of people were like nah this is not good yeah. man <laughs> just have it like you had it before yeah there was no problem at all and now it's good yeah. but that's one and a half month where people could or this is like some sort of guessing of course i, yeah. I don't know exactly how no, long yeah. it took but but it felt like one and a half month and by that time if there's a competitive market i could probably go use some or uh, not the streaming oh, streaming yeah. music company 
So that could be kind of riskful for a company to yeah. do those changes without even telling us or trying it out and see how people respond to it mm. before they push it to everyone. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that they did that at that level uh, yeah. that they're at. Because like you said, just like, I don't know if 10% of people uh, get so annoyed with it that they uh, move away from the app even implementing new functions like uh, we had a conversation yesterday uh, about uh, Facebook their story um, oh, yeah, function yeah. that they have and how in a way in my experience I I was kind of turned off by the way they did it um, because first of all it was very apparent that they stole it from well Snapchat still it kind of made Facebook look a bit bad in a way yeah. and since no one's uh, no one none of my friends uh, yeah. really started to use that function it was yeah. really like redundant and it kind of it kind of made facebook feel a little bit um like an unpolished product would be cooler if they they didn't if they took a standpoint where they were like oh, we're not gonna have this story yeah. stories function because we're not instagram or we're not snapchat yeah. we own those two but we <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to have it yeah. facebook is for something else yeah. and not li like tiktok and now you have reels and everything yeah. and why do all the app platforms the big social media platforms have to have the same yeah. uh, features yeah. it feels weird because i'm i use instagram for one one sake and TikTok for another maybe, yeah. but they want to just want to get people to go from TikTok to Instagram, and I understand why they do it, but still, it, yeah. it's a replica. It's another way of doing it, and it could be hard to make it like as good as the first uh, yeah. company did, like TikTok, and people will be like, yeah, but I will still be on TikTok to see this, mm. or maybe they're not. I have no clue about the numbers or people just went over to instagram again and looked at reels yeah but i don't know i think i think uh, do you mean like implementing the short function or do you mean retaining uh, the audience yeah retaining the audience i, I think. think youtube is the biggest oh, still still yeah i think so i think all of the other companies are competing against youtube i might be wrong on this we need to fact check this yeah. but i think youtube is the biggest and it's interesting because they also started implementing shorts into oh, their yeah. Yeah. Uh, system so but I still, yeah, I, I, I think I remember ha YouTube having the longest, mm. um, like, audience retention and the most amount of hours that audiences would use that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was, I, I was thinking that Instagram has not managed to pull users from TikTok, like, to the extent that new users come to TikTok. That's what I was, like, okay. uh, meaning. Mm. Um, it feels like the TikTok is doing really well. And I think that's because... Uh, Instagram hasn't managed to like pull enough users from TikTok and I think that YouTube the YouTube shorts thing is something that if YouTube gets the shorts right and they can do it in a way that makes sense and where people start to actually use it a lot more which I don't feel myself using shorts as much I feel like I use reels on Instagram more than I use shorts on YouTube yeah but it's also like uh, if you see it as a if you would see it as another company it would be interesting to when Instagram creates reels, they they are putting a feature which is a very big part of their whole product mm. that they are selling to us. And if you would like, and they have done it with stories and just adding mm. features basically. And if you see on other companies like Tesla or whatever, 
the car industry what kind of features do you add to and and product right here right now so if you had a car before which were running really good what's a new feature mm. a new feature is ah, now you can you can have a higher speed or higher accelerator acceleration and now you can have another wheels mm. but it won't necessarily be like tremendous um features that will impact the whole experience of the car um and it feels like in the in the social media apps, they do like really big features, a bit too fast sometimes, mm. just seeing that now TikTok is doing this. We have to come up with a way that we can do exactly the same, but no. in a different way no. within our product. Or maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's just like that, that Tesla came for a couple of years ago. I don't know when they started the company, but... 2004? Oh yeah, but they had a lot of beta testing probably. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, uh, if you look at the car industry now, you have like like a lot of big car companies having electric cars. So they find a new feature and, but it took so long to the, for the bigger crowd to create it. Yeah. Yeah, it takes a time. Yeah, it takes a long time for people to get used to it. And and if you, as you say, if you implement maybe too many functions at the same time, too many new functions at the same time, you won't even recognize the app from what oh, it was yeah, yeah. to what it is. I mean, YouTube have they got the shorts now, and they also have this. Uh, I don't know how new this function is, but I uh, it was a couple of months ago that I realized that when you when you're scrolling through the feed of of thumbnails and titles, mm. the video will actually automatically play oh, yeah, if yeah. you stop at a certain point. And that function is, in my opinion, really clever yeah. um, because it, it it automatically pulls you into a video without you even doing anything. Yeah. So it's like the energy it takes for you to click on something, wait for it to load, and then mm. it starts. That part is gone. So it's no. like immediately when you stop scrolling, it's just audio stops no. playing and the video stops going. And I hate that function. You hate that function, yeah. 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 So <laughs> for sure, that's the yeah, that's weird. Yeah, because I love it. Yeah, <laughs> but we're different kind of YouTube users. True. That's that's yeah. the thing. So yeah. they have to just, even if they create new features, some people will love it, another another yeah. people will not. Yeah. And how do you convince the ones like me to like it? Yeah. Like where, how many times do I have to be on YouTube and get it to a behavioral yeah. pattern where I'm just like, ah, yeah, now I'm accept- accepting it. Yeah. And I love that I hate it. <laughs> 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 no, but I, uh, I, I, I don't really like it because I think I, but that's probably because I'm a YouTuber. So what I do a lot of times is I look at, y- at titles and thumbnails. So when, uh, when the video starts playing i'm like oh fuck i need to play like press on another video so that i can then pause that so that this video doesn't keep playing so that's like my hack for looking at thumbnails um so that's kind of for me it's like an annoying thing in that sense but in the consumer sense when i'm like just there to consume the content then i guess it's like an easy way to just get into a video and like realize oh, this actually looks good. It's not just the thumbnail that looks look good or the title that looks good. It's actually the video or the first couple frames of it that looks good as well. And uh, it's kind of easier then to decide that I'm actually going to watch the video. Because it, it also allows you to watch the content or some of the content without pulling you into an ad. So yeah. if, you, if you press the video, the ad will automatically start playing. Mm. But And that creates maybe, let's say, eight seconds or like 10 seconds of, of 
stagnant use before you actually see the video no. but when you just have the automatic play you can actually scroll to the part of the video that you want can to see you? yeah so there's if when the video plays there the little like red circle actually appears down and down below so you can actually ah. pull and okay. scroll through the content of the video which is really smart okay, as well yeah. maybe it's gonna screw i don't know i don't know how that works with when it comes to um statistics and the viewership yeah. i don't know if that actually counts as you like watching no, that video no. or if they i like don't know half how, it or something like yeah that's a 50 percent watch time if you've watched the entire video without actually pressing it exactly i yeah. don't know how that works but i can imagine but surely there must be some some setting or something where you can where you can like disable or oh, enable yeah. that that thing uh that function yeah maybe Otherwise, they should implement it for other YouTube content creators yeah. like you. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of uh, Tesla, that was actually a very nice uh, segue Transition. into. I, segue I into, did my best. Yeah, yeah. it's a different topic because. <laughs> but you just continued. Sorry, yeah. I was like, yeah, <laughs> man. Now it's now it's now I can't do it. <laughs> You're like too late. Too late. We're no. too far into it. But but that's a very interesting aspect of the company Tesla because in a way it's more than just a car company. It's and tes a Tesla car is more than just a car. There's so many features to yeah. it, and the design, in the interior design, is completely different to any other car. Um, and just driving an electrical vehicle is also completely different. There's no gearbox. There's no sh like uh, shift stick yeah. um, or anything like that. So, and there's people that hate it. I mean, speaking of of the the, the startup of of Tesla, or not the start, but the beginning of Tesla. Uh, I remember watching. I was a big fan of Top Gear. Uh, yeah, me too. Up. Me and too. I, yeah. I remember they reviewed the when they had the lo the Lotus, so the first Roadster, oh, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. So they they built the the Tesla Roadster into the Lotus body, yeah. and uh, Jeremy Clarkson did a couple of laps on the track with yeah. it. And according to is it BBC that that are holding the yeah I think so yeah the production yeah. Uh, company. So they actually said or told. Uh, Jeremy Clarkson or the the guys at Top Gear to to pretend that the the batteries were run dry or that oh, the car didn't work. Oh yeah, so that not, affected uh, the that affected Tesla and Elon Musk like a huge yeah. amount because that was such bad PR. Yeah. And obviously coming from like an automotive uh, background um, that Jeremy Clarkson or James yeah. May or Richard Hammond have, they want to have combustion engines and the feeling of a real car so mm. they were very eager or keen to to hate on tesla yeah um so that was quite uh, a big do you know is that why they is that why bbc actually did that or i think i think it has to do with bbc's connection or top gear's connections to other car companies oh, okay. since they've been running their show on the backs of car companies yeah. without i don't know exactly how the relationship works no. or why it, that thing happened but yeah. it did yeah. and uh that was kind of yeah a big setback for them um and weird in a way but they came back stronger than ever so yeah kudos to to tesla and elon musk yeah and it's a really hard or comp competitive market to do something totally new where people yeah. like um if you looked at top gear you were probably like a car kind of person and as you said they like the, a, a real engine a v8 or whatever and then you come with like, nah, it's just electric, but it's uh, it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the people be like, yeah, but it has to be a real engine. Oh yeah. And I think that that's very very cool that they actually yeah. managed to 
to go that extra mile because yep. you can come into which market as ever and mm. whatever and you can just like yeah it, there's no competitive competitiveness and or you do something very good and people doesn't have that strong opinions about the products that were existing before no. so it's not that oh yeah hard to come into a new market where people don't care that much about what they bought before but a car is like a oh what do you call it there's like different types of um, consumer when you buy something you can have different types of products and a car is like a product where you have to think before you buy it like a lot and you take a lot of decisions and then you buy something but if you go to a supermarket you just go on routine and just buy something and so it's a really hard hard market to develop in yeah and it seems like they are going to have some sort of they had like a really good period before where there was no electric cars and only Tesla and people were like, yeah, Tesla is a cool brand and I can afford this Tesla and I will have it. Mm. But now when all the other big companies that have economies of scale uh, are creating electric cars, it will be very interesting to see where Tesla is heading towards. Mm. What are they going to do when the competitiveness is bigger than ever on electric cars? I think that's that's one way that Tesla differentiates themselves to other car companies. They're willing to take those risks in a way. I mean, autopilot, um, the oh, interior yeah. design, um, the 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 doors on the X Model X, oh, yeah. uh, for example, all these things that they have, uh, the Easter eggs that they have, uh, the, the car can actually dance and all mm. these things. It, it's so much more than just a regular car. Um, so I think that's one of the things that they've done properly to differentiate themselves from other car companies no. and also the the supercharging network that they have in especially in america is it's such a big i mean they cover almost the entire country yeah and no other car company that i'm aware of ha- have even come close to that thing yeah. so they have like monopoly on the charging stations which means that they're not only a, a, a car company anymore i mean they are basically taking over their essentially like every other gas station that is uh, available today mm. they are the equivalency to that but in uh, oh, with yeah, charging yeah, stations yeah. yeah so it's there's the reach that they have is so massive and Elon Musk as a, as a as a person and mm. CEO of the company is also super compelling and you know he has a diehard uh, fan base yeah. so hopefully Tesla will be able to remain in there even though Volvo and Volkswagen and all these other companies are also developing electrical vehicles. But do you think that there's a risk that peop- that Elon Musk has a big fan base? Like if it feels like he's more like a politician and for a party where you are the main person that shows what which direction this party yeah. should go, then yeah. the regular companies just have a CEO that you're like, oh yeah, cool. Or like he's he's more like Steve Jobs in that sort of sense. Do you see any? risks of having that kind of figure in front of the company or above well i think his uh, appearance on the joe rogan experience was one of the uh, was quite an interesting uh, phenom- phenomenon because yeah. uh, you know he took a puff of of weed and uh, if i remember correctly the stocks dropped plummeted quite a lot yeah i think uh, so yeah. so but then they just went back up, and I mean, uh, the last like 2021, he was the Tesla was the biggest company in the yeah. world, or whatever. His net worth Something was like, like that, the yeah. greatest of of every uh, uh, public uh, person. Um, 
so yeah there comes a lot of risk with putting all that faith into one person and i mean if someone else would step in as the ceo of tesla i don't think it would have the same uh, just just as the same thing with steve jobs steve Jobs passed away you didn't really feel that apple were progressing in the same um like creative or innovative way that they did previously to him passing away so hopefully i mean there is a, a huge risk with having someone with Elon Musk. It's like high risk, high reward. Yeah. Um, but I just think that you have a hard time seeing he's so established now. Like he's he's such a big person. Everyone knows who he, who he is and what he does. And he's always like, according to my knowledge, he's always been who, who he is and true mm. to himself in interviews or in any project that he makes, yeah. if it's the boring company or, or whatever. Um, so I think it's going to be hard for for him to actually fail, even though he makes mistakes, which is a very unusual situ- situation. Yeah. Yeah. The I think that's very interesting too with like the Steve Jobs thing that like as soon as he disappeared, I feel like Apple kind of lost its face, like it lost its personality, and now it kind of feels more like a company and not like. Oh, it's Steve Jobs, like love child or whatever you call it. Uh, but I think <clears throat> with Tesla as well, I think the, the and this is what we talked about. But oh, yeah. did did Apple? They also lost a lot of market share in Europe. Uh, did Apple oh. like actually also lost as a company on a revenue side of things? Like mm. if they because I I agree with you. Yeah we still ha- see apple computers and yeah. apple phones but it feels like more and more people have other companies like samsung or oneplus or whatever yeah. um so it felt like it feels like we haven't talked about how apple maybe have lost some sort of market share but yeah. they actually have done it and as you said it's more like a company mm. but sorry for interrupting no that's all right um yeah, I don't know if they've. Yeah, that that would be interesting to see, like what what happened. I'm guessing it's more, because things tend to grow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and especially when it's been established already, um, so I think it's probably going to be more, but I don't know. I think they they do they they succeed in a way still because of the. You know the premium quality, the premium feel. Um, the status that is uh, connected to owning apple products um the entire also the entire um ecosystem that they have so even though steve jobs passed away um if you owned an apple tv apple computer um an ipad or an iphone you're kind of already in the trap of the ecosystem which ena- like not enables you but it makes it really hard for you to to go out there and buy something else from a different company, even though Huawei or Samsung makes a better phone than iPhone. Um, I, I think people still tend to buy into Apple products because otherwise the other... Like, it's convenient. Yeah, it's convenient. Why would they change? Then they can't use AirDrop, then they can't use iTunes, then they can't use all these other functions that Apple no. have integrated. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um yeah. Did I disrupt your like segue to Tesla there in some way? Where um, I they think just so. they just became a company, and something else were about to say from you. You were like, oh yeah, so when Steve Jobs uh, 
when Steve Jobs uh, passed away, Apple felt more like they became a company and in Tesla's perspective and blah, blah, blah. That's where uh, you, okay. you were heading. But um, Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. Fuck, that was uh, so good. Yeah, that was going to be <laughs> an amazing thought, of course. Uh, probably book worthy, but, uh, yeah. you know, uh, it is what it is. No, but um, I think what I was going for was the, yeah, the Tesla, the question of like what we talked about of uh, is Elon Musk enough <clears throat> just keep Tesla on like the on top or even in in the uh, competition if that makes sense because once like Volvo Volkswagen like BMW all these like huge companies once they really start focusing on electric car ve- or, or electric blah, blah, <laughs> electric vehicles the question is like will they just catch up and like overtake Tesla because one thing that uh, is in in America, they're the what do you call it? the charging stations, the supercharging thing. Uh, that's really well built out. But in Sweden and in Europe, it's not as well built out at all. And now we're already seeing like other companies starting to catch up to Tesla with like uh, similar ranges on their cars and uh, similar I don't know features, better prices, all those sort of things. And what happens when uh cars create or these huge car companies create cars that are cheaper than teslas and they have uh, the same sort of like electric supercharging or whatever charging stations uh, network here in the uh, in europe that's where i think like because all of these companies are also based in europe like they come from europe so um the question there is if that network of charging stations gets built out faster than the Tesla uh, network station or network built, gets built out, then will Tesla kind of disappear because the power of these huge companies will overtake them? And that's then the question if like Elon Musk, is he as powerful or is he powerful enough to, <laughs> does he have the power <laughs> <laughs> to like, go past that and like still have uh, a certain buying power behind them because as you see as you've seen with like the what's that new car called the tank thing Cybertruck yeah the Cybertruck um (laughs) he was like announcing that and then there was like I think there was like I don't know how many people but there was a lot of people that bought it and it was like or paid for like the pre-order thing and I think it was like you paid a thousand dollars or something to get a pre-order for that car and that's essentially a way for him to just finance even building the car um which is something that no other car company i don't think any other car company could go out and do that um but at the same time as well if you do the comparison with apple it feels like when apple came came along we didn't have smartphones at all we just had regular cell phones but they were like a game-changing uh, key player in the industry where we have had cars before and there's no, not like that feature of electric car is, it's a big different thing, but it's not the same as when you come up with, oh, this, is the sm- this is a smartphone, this is like yeah. gonna create your, make your life to something totally different than before. Yeah. Because it's just like electric car, you will 
not have to buy fuel. The impact of Apple is currently, I mean, in a way, it changes the way we live our lives more than the electrical vehicle um, market Did, has. Yeah. yeah. But I think that also, I mean, if they manage to build out the, um, like, the autopilot function more properly and all these, that's the thing with, with Elon that I just... Um, but that's also a problem with the European law because you're not allowed to drive on auto- autopilot here, even if you have oh, the... Yeah. So I don't know how fast that would go in e- EU yeah. Yeah. as well. Yeah, so it's good for the American market, probably. It's good for the American market, and that most likely, I mean, uh, as far as I'm not concerned, but as far as I know, it also depends on like the quality of the road and a bunch yeah. of things, um, lighting and reflections and, and stuff. But I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're going to figure it out uh, sooner or later. Mm. Um, but I just think that it's funny because Elon is very... In my opinion, he's a lot of people look up to him and they like worship him. Um, and I don't really think that you should worship anyone, uh, no matter what status or what they've done. Uh, you should always try to treat them as a person, a human being, because in the end, that's what they are. Mm. But I, I mean, I'm just such a fanboy for Elon <laughs> Musk. That's the thing, because it's ridiculous how much faith people put in put in him yeah colonizing mars yeah. building tunnels under la um developing teslas like the autopilot function all these things are paypal before paypal that. except yeah. before that um and he uses just as you said Kelly, he's very risky when it comes to financing yeah. uh, his future project paypal financed spacex and tesla and you know and he he doesn't give up on anything like any no. dream or any, any yeah. vision that he has he he's always like on the on the border on the line of succeeding yeah. uh, so that might be his greatest downfall in the end that he you know takes on too much so he takes on too so much. if you were elon musk what would you have done like in the next coming fr- next three years or something like that what what is the main tesla strategy when the the market is more competitive than ever what what should he do basically because he could still do what he does and he will have his market share or what what is his vision with tesla is it to create even better features that new cars the cars who comes now doesn't have like autopilot that could be a new way that okay but tesla is still ahead because now you don't even drive your car anymore or now you're doing this or should it just like maintain the position that he has or be um, make a broader target audience by having more selections of cars or how should he react to this i think his strategy from like the start has been like okay you start with exclusive car and then a few buyers will get that because you have the you can risk the amount of money that it takes to produce that car which will be difficult but it will get you started and then the rich people will buy that car because it's kind of a new thing and it's exciting. And then you go down one step and you produce a second car that's kind of like still exclusive, but a lot more people can afford it. So you can produce a lot more cars. And that way you kind of build up your... I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that I'm getting this perfectly correct, but I think it's like that, that you get... You use that sort of system to build up your uh, infrastructure or whatever to be able to produce the amount of cars that you want to produce one day and you can't just start with like i'm going to produce a cheap car and i'm going to produce millions of them so i think that's how he's planned to do it at least what from what i've heard in interviews in the past 
start exclusive and small and then you just go wider and less expensive with each iteration and that's almost. also a pull strategy so yeah. the thing that would happen is that the brand will have uh, really good connotations so oh, even yeah. if we True. he creates uh, cheaper cars people will still get the sense that oh now i get a tesla car for a fair amount of price yeah. so you will even if you could buy another car uh, at the same price, you will have the Tesla because it feels more luxury yeah. because you connotate a brand yeah. to be a more luxury brand. So yeah. it's totally a marketing strategy that is working. Yeah, for I, sure. And that's it's so interesting also because the the car itself, from what I've understood, isn't the best build quality. Like no, a lot of people yeah. have been complaining about the interior being like uh, squeaking or creaking or you know, a bunch of different problems inside of the car. And I think that's, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that they manufactured the car uh, in-house in America. Mm. So they don't have the, um, they don't have the same, how should I put this? They don't have the same, they don't, they don't really exploit the cheap labor that some of the other company, yeah, car yeah. companies do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so basically they're, they're, they have to compromise in some ways and yeah. by doing like, cheaper interior even though they have it very clean looking yeah. like not a lot of buttons and you know one big huge screen and all those things um it's quite interesting as you say because it's still regarded as a luxury brand in a way like people yeah. go wow you have a tesla yeah. um even though maybe a volvo xc40 has a better build quality and has a more premium feel uh, I mean, if you look at the new XC60s, so XC90s, XC40s, they have this. This is it, there's a choice to put in Orrefors, which is a, a Swedish like glass making company. Oh, okay. um, there's an or- Orrefors gear shifter, so it's like a crystal gear, shi- oh, okay. gear shifter. It looks <laughs> sick. It yeah. looks incredible. But I mean, still, I'd regard a Tesla yeah. to be a cooler car than a Volvo. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think those things are not like tangible goods so you won't be like oh we put in this uh, stick and then it's uh, the same because it's intangible uh, feelings that people have about a brand so it's mm. not you cannot oh, yeah, create yeah. it be with tan- tangible goods true um but i also heard that if you create an electric car fact check but that it's 80 percent uh, cheaper to create an electric car than a regular car oh, okay which is also one thing why the big car industry and when they realized it they say they sell the car for even more than a regular car that oh, they make a okay. so much bigger profit because it's so oh. much e- cheaper to Increased create life hack yeah that's yep. a life hack and that's why we see this explosion of electric cars on oh, okay. each of every company's like yeah um what do you call it profit margin is that what you yes yeah, so yep. yeah so the profit margin is so much bigger okay so and that's also like kind of bad because um for until now maybe for a bit longer but it feels like that not everyone can have an electric car but in the at the same time everyone would have been able to have it because it's cheaper to create but the car companies have like um built themselves up and or like you surfing the wave of like uh, the environmental stuff about the electric cars and just like oh yeah people are actually want to buy more expensive stuff because it's better for the environment yeah. so it's kind of fishy at yeah. the same time and it's also if you look at the life cycle analysis uh, like the i'm not quite sure where they harvest or mine the lithium i think they do some in like chile and stuff oh, okay. uh, 
but I mean, just because the the post production life cycle of an electric vehicle is much better uh, from an environmental standpoint, that doesn't mean that the the entire production chain is going to no. be better than a regular vehicle. Uh, even though I do think that it's marginally better uh, still, yeah. um, there are definitely like some questions that need to be addressed because if every single company starts making, I looked up some stats before when we were in the car previously today, um, and I think that they are estimating that around 2025, 20% of every car that is bought is going to be an electrical vehicle, oh, okay. and the curve is just exponentially increasing. So 20, 2030, it's going to be, I don't know, I'm just throwing out numbers that are in the ballpark of what this article wrote, but I think it was like 50, yeah. and then 2040, it's going to be like nearly 100. Yeah. Uh, it feels that it can go even faster. Yeah, m- yeah, might even go faster, yeah. So, so I mean, maybe the, the, uh, the natural resources uh, at that time will be like, maybe we'll just reach another way of these, uh, what do you call them, uh, like a dead end no. in a way that we are like, yeah, we'll, we've literally oh, used I mean, yeah. every single resource that we have for these electric vehicles. Yeah. Now we have to invest into fuel cells, fuel cells like yeah. hydrogen um, yeah. cars. Well, that's actually a question I think is good for you guys um, that I don't know. Uh, but because they talk about like, okay, the, the production of electric vehicles or there's parts of electric vehicles that aren't as environmentally friendly or like they're the the final product might be like you said marginally better than a gas vehicle but is that like that the electric vehicles they kind of exploit or use up the natural resources but they don't uh they don't add to like the uh what do you call it the greenhouse gases greenhouse gases yeah the so the climate change will get better but the resources the actual physical like rocks or whatever that they mine or stuff like that <laughs> Rock <laughs> <like>. <laughs> we put rocks in the car batteries yeah. now yeah <laughs> it's a really cool way the stones yeah yeah, yeah but the <laughs> stones and pebbles are running out guys yeah unfortunately <laughs> uh no but that stuff is like the stuff that will get that's kind of the bad part of the electric vehicles that would need to be solved potentially or is that right is that the i i honestly i don't like if i say if i give an answer i'll be demonized yeah. in any comment section yeah because i don't think that i'm not even quite sure that anyone knows the answer to that question oh, okay. um i mean people are talking i mean elon musk is talking about making a uh, he he, t- he talked in one interview i saw him talking about if you use, if you cut off a bit of Utah, the state of Utah, and you'd create one of these solar panel factories, you can oh, actually yeah. run entire US on purely solar electricity yeah. or like solar power. Um, now that would probably require massive batteries. I don't know how that yeah. like infrastructure would work or, but I mean, I don't think we have, I'm not quite sure that we have the like enough resources um, no, okay. and I, I, think I think they are trying to find those places they are trying in the northern sweden right now to no. find places where we have cobalt so maybe if we stop taking it from africa or uh, uh, there are probably other places as well but if we do it in a better way with a more secure system where no. we you because there's yeah i think they're they're that's what they are trying to do up in the north in sweden no we can maybe have the resources which will not be a problem for the bigger planet maybe for like the ecosystem right there yeah. that should do it yeah. but for the bigger planet it's not a problem okay. 
or it should have it probably have some sort of issue of course so but i i agree with your picture on it that that it's really good to feel that you drive an electric car because you don't use fuel um but at the same time they usually say that if you have a normal normal car just or normal car what is a normal car but anyway if they if you have a normal car use it till it's dead and don't buy an electric car instead because you that's not better for the planet Mm. the resources already used yeah yeah okay yeah i mean consumption is almost always bad in regards of environmental questions and standpoints yeah um what if you buy two electric vehicles <laughs> <laughs> two negative make a positive yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> double it will be better <laughs> but yeah. i think uh, i mean just going back to the argument that um not the argument but more um people that are car enthusiasts that are against the electrical vehicle revolution that's happening mm. um if you haven't been inside one of one tes- a Tesla or mm. Kia or any electric vehicle that has quite a quite an impressive acceleration, you should wait with expressing your thoughts because sitting in one of them and pushing the gas pedal—not that I've done it by myself, but I've been in the passenger seat—and it is a roller coaster. It is <laughs> so fun. Um, so, and that's also one thing that I think Tesla, especially, is—it's almost like an an entertainment product yeah there's the screen you can watch netflix there is the acceleration uh, part of it there mm. are there are so many different functions that it has it's like a fun thing it's almost like a toy yeah. and that is something that completely diversifies them in regards to every other car company but that's also very easy features to create for other car companies yeah. but maybe they won't do it because of uh history and that they want to be uh, have their be respectful to their brand so they cannot yeah, create that. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Um, but yeah, maybe. And that's probably because he thought that, or Elon were thinking about that probably in 20 years, or he probably would say like in two years, <laughs> we're, we're not going to drive cars anymore. Yeah. So, <laughs> and he tried to have that vision where we're not driving cars and we yeah. should have some sort of entertainment instead. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, I think, uh, going back to the quality thing of, like, the fact that, like, a lot of, it's kind of well known that the quality of Tesla cars is not always there. But still, people, like, buy into the idea of Elon Musk and his thing. And I think that's something that's very interesting, too, that, like, for some reason, even though he has those, like, flaws in the production and whatever, he's still, like, forgiven for some reason, which I don't really understand why. But potentially it's because he was like the first one that's like really because he's taking that risk of like, I'm going to push electric cars onto the world, even if the world doesn't want electric cars almost. And he's just like been uh, at the forefront of that um, of that and just pushing it forward. But at the same time, it feels like how long how long will that hold? How will he? I, I just don't really see it. It seems like when all these other companies start building electric car cars and um, yeah, just the production. 
but the yeah. scale of production that they can have compared to what he can the have. economies of scale yeah mm, the economy yeah. of scale yeah it feels like that's it's going to be so hard for him to compete with that even if he has that buying power and even if people are like um, buying into the fact that he he will try to get something done even if he'll go bankrupt which i think is like one of the main things why he's able to like get people to buy a car before it's even produced uh, because people know that he'll try to get that car done if it takes him get going bankrupt to do it. Um, I think also because he makes the product super exciting. If you look at the Cybertruck, there's nothing yeah. that looks like it. It is, is it bulletproof? I've heard that it's yeah, like bulletproof. So, yeah. And it's just this massive, not awkward looking, it's really, really cool, but it's different, very, very different. And that that thing alone just makes people interested and if you have money you'll be super keen to buy it like yeah i own i own a cyber truck and the name itself is right. super cool as well cyber truck uh so i think that as long as he keeps on making these promises and in some way he can what do you call it like uphold or uh stay true to what he's saying mm. um without too many disappointments people will still be willing to buy his stuff before it even before the production even starts. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the same. I, I think it's the same with Apple in a way. Um, I mean, the, not that they sell, not that they sell, I don't know if they sell like um, uh, Q points for, for bu to be able to buy stuff, oh, okay. but I'm just thinking about the uh, the headphones that they created, the new, uh, what do they call them? AirPod Max, AirPod, uh, yeah. yeah, the big ones that, yeah. that go around your head. It's such a such a weird and different product in a way yeah. uh, compared to everyone else like Sennheiser or Sony or Bose. Um, it's very different and very expens very expensive, but it's sold out within the first couple of minutes, mm -hmm. I think, uh, of it being released without people even knowing, I think without people even knowing the sound quality or oh, the yeah. build quality or yeah. anything like that. They just saw pictures, maybe MKBHD did mm -hmm. some reviews on it and it's like, yeah, it's cool, but no. different so i think i think as long as as long as they keep on making new things mm. um that are very very different and if they can if they can um predict where the future is going i mean in a way they predict and also create the future um in an accurate way i mean if you look back at bmw i8 and bmw i3 those were two hybrid like mm semi or like hybrid cars that bmw made i don't think it went too well when oh, they okay. launched uh yeah. they look very futuristic in but, the sense but in the wrong way but in the wrong oh, way yeah, yeah exactly so they kind of misinterpreted or and uh, they weren't able to predict what the future is going to look like properly mm. so because it felt like they were thinking back look we're looking back on how we had created the future before mm. and this is how the future looked before and they tried to make that something new but tesla looks just like a regular sports car but a bit uh, different yeah. in yeah. a way and that's the future <clears throat> not no. there's nothing like of fu futuristic about no. it so yeah i think i think you're totally right on that and in the same with with apple like the the computers they make or the phones they make are pretty similar from the previous 
iterations. Mm. Uh, there's not a bunch of bells and whistles that no, are yeah. like different. If you look at uh, Find Me X, I think it's Sh- Xiaomi or Oppo who okay. creates that. They have the, the macro lens that is actually like a micro oh, lens. Yeah, yeah. So you can look really, really close up on fabrics or yeah. fingerprints or whatever. It's, it's a super cool camera and mm. super cool feature, but it's not really what the the future looks like. It's no. not really what people want from a no. premium phone. Um, and I think that the companies that are best at predicting the future and best at creating the vision as well are the ones that will succeed in the end. And yeah. it's also the ones right now that had a visionary leader because they didn't tell everyone that this feature is really good if you do this. Mm. They just they just created a vision and created a sense of purpose and people were like buying into that picture and then they didn't ki- they we don't care about some sort of extra features on the phone or on mm. the car it's just like i i like your vision of the future yeah yeah and an apple in a way they are a bit sneaky in that department because they <laughs> they take features that are successful oh, from yeah, other phone companies other. or computer companies or whatever uh, from other companies and then they repackage it and sell it as mm. their new um feature like yeah i don't know not maybe not fingerprint sensors or uh stuff like that but they have some they have some yeah. features that that have been like yeah this has been established by lg yeah. a couple of years ago like the wide um, the wide angle lens oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. F- for the cameras lg v30 i think had one of the f- one of the first phones with a wide angle lens yeah. and uh lg is no longer a company no um and people are like, yeah, you know, this new feature is so cool. It's so, it's so awesome. Mm. And people that are maybe fanboys of Android are like, yeah, well, this feature has been on the market for five years. Uh, yeah. So but, it's but that's not the that's the thing. I think those kind of people are not the majority. And um, I think that Apple attentions more to the details around the products more than focusing on the products they think more of their community what Mm. would people like to have on their phone rather than oh we can now create a camera which will give me this wide lens whatever which would give a really cool feature and then yeah we can do it so let's do it Mm. apple are more thinking were or are more thinking about yeah but would people like to have this Mm. how like even if you when you get the iphone home the packaging is crazy good where you when you open it it feels like you it's a spaceship or whatever just like it's really hard and i'm like smoke coming out yeah yeah Yeah. and that's like that's like super cool and you're like so into uh, (laughs) get this new phone started but the other ones you just get a box you open it okay cool here's that oh and that's the thing i think they put attention to details which the other companies are not yeah you mean like the details that people actually will care about yeah when in the end yeah or doesn't necessarily have to know that they care about but they do when they uh, when they get to know the features no. then they start to care care about it or even if they maybe not even care about it they haven't thought about the packaging but they just like get a good sense of feeling when they open the phone mm. and they're really good at at uh, analyzing and realizing what the com- consumers, as you say, care about and don't care about, and what we're willing to buy yeah. and willing to do. Like, I mean, nowadays you buy a phone and you get the phone. Before you got the charger, you maybe got a case, you maybe yeah. got a pair of headphones, you got all these accessories that from 
from now and from now on and forth, uh, you'll have to buy the charges separately. No. You'll have to buy the headphones separately. Everything separate separately. And if you want to have a phone with uh, with l- like longer battery life, y- you can't get that through through Apple. But you can get one of these MagSafe's that you attach to the back of the oh, phone. Yeah. So it's like an additional battery pack. It's genius in a way. Um, but it also kind of screws over your customers. But you, we don't really even pay attention to the fact that we're getting screwed over. Um, because it's a necessity. We need the headphones now. Yep. For 10 years ago, people didn't use the phone to listen to music. Or no. I did, yeah. but like not everyone. No. And maybe it's just like, oh, this is not a revenue stream that we can have. Yeah. Because people will buy it anyways. And six months later, they won't even think about that they bought these headphones. Exactly. Mm. And how do they justify it? They package it as if it's... With, we're doing this uh, from an environmental standpoint. Oh, yeah, yeah. We don't <laughs> want the boxes to be too big, containing all these things. And you're like, well, you know, people, if it's a different fast charging, so this different uh, speed of charge, yeah. you want to have the newest yeah. charger, so you're going to buy it anyways. Yeah. Uh, so that argument doesn't really hold up, in my opinion. No. Um, but the, fu- the, the not the fun thing, but this, the ridiculous thing is that the companies, uh, Samsung and every other Android company, pretty much, they were laughing at at Apple when they did this, when they when they came oh, out yeah. and they launched this idea of selling these things separately. Yeah. And one year later, they're doing the exact same thing. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think Apple and Tesla, or like Elon Musk in general, are they're really good at predicting the future and knowing what the customers are expecting and what they're okay with compromise, the yeah. compromises they're okay with. Then they, they also do some sort of beta testing before anyone any other company does it because mm. they oh, are yeah. in front of line they yeah. just okay we have we tried this and one year later all the other cell phone companies did the same mm. that's the thing they are bold they they are okay with that some people will have will criticize this and yeah. other people will, will doesn't care at all no. and yeah and they also probably just the i think with steve jobs and elon musk and these visionary leaders that that's the mod modern way of having a company mm. like even if we look at donald trump he's that same kind of character where people doesn't care about the the republicans they mm. care about trump mm. and people care about elon musk not to compare those two people but no. the same thing it's the the character the strong pe- leader the strong leader the the visionary person that people mm. are like, yeah, I follow you. I don't, I won't follow this company, but I will follow you, mm. and that means that I will use your company's mm. products. Yeah. And that's also, I think, the the question is also with like that, like removing the charger thing. Apple does that. The other companies don't like it, or they say that they don't like it, but then they do it themselves. The question there, I think, is like also does apple doing it does that force the other companies to do it too because of the fact that like if if apple does it then what happens people will like you say people will still want the fastest charger so they'll buy the phone and they'll buy the charger which means that apple's i'm guessing that this is what the case is it might not be but i'm guessing that the margins for apple will go up because of the fact that like people buy the phone and the charger and so other companies now like samsung and whatever else 
will lose money because they don't uh, take advantage of this thing that Apple does, which means that Apple will then uh, get even bigger than they can get because they need to then do the same thing in order to have the same profit margins. So they kind of, I'm not sure that that's the case, but I'm guessing that that could be the case that the other companies then get forced to actually do the same thing because otherwise they don't have the same profit margins they can't compete with apple anymore and apple uh takes over even more but at the same time that's i i i agree with you but but at the same time it feels like they could also be like this is not necessary this is like really uh, really not nice to the customers and like take profit from that instead like uh, we won't charge you for a charger and headphones you will get it in the same price Mm. which the price will be a bit higher than than if you only buy the phone but still you will get everything at the same time because you will need it yeah but they didn't profit from that instead they just did what apple did yeah that's also kind of weird yeah i don't really like that kind of behavior because it's Essentially, I don't know if if the companies Samsung uh, or OnePlus or whatever, I don't know if they had already implemented that for like the future plan that this is some mm. this is the next step for them as well, uh, or if they actually just tried to to uh, ridicule Apple and try to made make you know the consumers of Apple products realize that this is ridiculous. But then they found out that people were still buying Apple phones and still oh, okay. still they were fine with having to pay additional money for the mm. charger and then something realized that well you know there's a big like there's a big pool of money that we can mm. just collect here uh, so we should try to implement this as well mm. yeah speaking of uh, tesla and musk the factory that they opened up in uh, austin oh yeah we <laughs> had going b- in yeah we had a bit of a conversation about this before yeah so well i've you guys are listening to your Rogan podcast a lot. Like I listen to some episodes where I find find the uh, the guest interesting, and I want to hear something about it. And uh, but the thing is that he, you know, it this better than me. But he moved to Austin for like a year ago, or maybe more. Yeah, probably around a year. Yeah, and then Tesla also opened a fabric in Austin, um, and I just had this idea that it it when i listened to other podcasts and where they talked about austin and that people really love that place because it's like a democratic city in a republican state and things are going so well there they have a really good culture and all of that uh, it felt like no one tried to find a negative angle on on that everyone is moving there yeah. and I, I i really like to try to find new perspective <laughs> of it yeah, because you were pulling the card, or not not pulling the card, but you were you were making the you were taking the similarities between people being su- successful, moving to LA to become successful in a way, because it's a city where you can this great opportunity in that place. Um, so you live there, you become successful, like Joe Rogan, uh, for example, and when shit hits the fan, which it kind of has done um, regarding the homelessness problem and the, the house pricing house how you say house pricing problems um people move away because it's unsafe and it's not the city that it used to be mm. and maybe in a way i mean uh, the argument that not the argument but but the perspective that you were proposing was that maybe the people that are living in these cities um that have gained a lot from being in LA or being in these um these pools of creativity and innovation 
maybe they are supposed to take some responsibility and try to make sure or ensure that this kind of situation don't happen it doesn't happen again and moving to a place like austin where there are a lot of people already living there loving the place um they've been living there for a long time maybe they're uh, as bystanders looking at la and saying wow we're lucky we, we don't have the same mm-hmm. way here and then when people like Jerogen or a factory like tesla opens up in in austin and you know you have a stream of people moving there that are also quite economically um not sound but they have a lot of money maybe no. um it's going to bump up the house prices it's going to bump up the expenses of living there and people that are living there currently might be homeless yeah like uh, that uh, history will repeat itself basically and as you said in hawaii hawaii that's the same thing happening there people with a lot of money mo- moving there and the native people there are not don't have the money to buy a home anymore no and that we also after corona uh, or during corona people realized that they didn't necessarily needed to live in the city anymore so in stockholm you saw that there were more people moving out than moving in mm. uh, for the first time in ages yeah. uh, which is probably good and in sweden we have a really good welfare system where where the countryside really wants people to move there that kind of way but we also have a government that will uh, will plan for that sort of or help the different states that that okay now people are moving here we need to think of schools and the infrastructure uh, in the whole and it feels like in america maybe that's not the same kind of thing like because they don't have that welfare state and that the history will repeat itself in austin it's just a matter of time and that's just on a perspective i wanted to add to the whole Ah, oh, it's really nice that Joe Rogan moved to Austin because Austin is so nice right now and California yeah. is not. It yeah. feels like that's pretty weird to see it from that perspective and not like, okay, but you earned a lot of money when you got Spotify exclusive or during these 10 years period with the yeah. podcast. Why can't you fix fix some sort of the crisis with NGOs and stuff? There's a lot of wealthy people that's in LA. Like- non-governmental organizations which usually like focuses on helping people in need Mm, so there's a lot of people with money in la so they could probably solve a bit of the solutions by maybe doing like social housing or whatever which is pretty cheap to create maybe not that you put it up in in the middle of of the city but you can create new areas in a city where people actually can afford to live mm. to aid the expansion and stuff yeah but it's also and we also discussed this but it's it is it isn't entirely one individual or a couple of individuals responsibility i mean obviously the different states uh, we spoke about seattle for example uh, the city city of seattle and the amount of homelessness uh, that's apparent uh, not apparent but that is occurring right there amount of people that are homeless and just the fact that you know other other cities and other states make it illegal for people to to be homeless or to set up camp or have tents mm-hmm. and housing on the streets streets which in a way yeah maybe makes sense but mm-hmm. then you have to sa- find somewhere else for these people to live and i don't know if i don't i'm not at all um knowledgeable when it comes to the laws and stuff but i think that the laws in california or in la at least uh, or in california um allows for people to be homeless there 
uh, and that creates which the is level. also nice yeah and <laughs> which is actually like oh uh, yeah everyone uh, or you should just solve the problem and give people jobs and yeah easy living but at the same time that's you shouldn't make it unlawful to yeah illegal to be homeless, to be homeless. Uh, illegal yeah. to be homeless that's really weird yeah but that and that system creates this influx of homeless people to one single place and the people that are um that do have economic resources might not feel that they have enough to actually have a like a solution for the problem uh so like in a way i agree with you regarding the perspective that um people that do have a lot of economic resources should think about the consequences of when they buy properties or when they move to different places because that will affect the people that already live there um but i also think that a lot of the issue has to do with distrust or mistrust in the government um, mm, yeah. and in the people running the different states and stuff because i mean here in sweden we have we have people that are very wealthy but they pay quite a lot in tax yeah. and they get a lot in return because we have quite an efficient if if you compare it to america i think we ha- we have quite an efficient system um so we're also more willing to pay because we see that you know whether it's through infrastructure or hospital bills or whatever it might be we have we get a lot in return for like from paying taxes yeah. um so so we have another perspective as a human as well that yeah. we maybe have more of a so- socialistic but more of a society community kind of um uh, thinking when we do these decisions and uh, in america maybe there's more of a individualistic sense of uh solving a problem mm. that yeah but i i don't necessarily have to be here but in sweden it's more like oh, how can we fix this because mm. we feel responsible for each other in yeah. another way that that doesn't happen in america so i i understand why it hasn't have been a discussion in america or it probably has but i haven't heard it in the podcast no. that i listen to but they should discuss it because it's not an easy it's not black and white like like everything else but they no. should shouldn't be like oh this is so really good like really cool awesome it's yeah. a great city because there there will be issues and mm. one of the issues is that the rich people move to a place and pushes poor people out from it yeah And I mean we also discussed the the possibility of like, I mean having a factory like um like Tesla or um, that would create a lot of job opportunities yeah. in Austin and that might just like boom the economy in that city and in that state so mm. it might aid quite a bit as well um I mean there are more than just rich people and poor people and yeah. they push them out this uh, this this huge you know system huge network but but the the fact that people may not consi- even consider the fact that they have an impact on the mm. people around them is is something that should be discussed more yeah um but i also remember like hearing him speak about moving from la quite early during his pod- like in oh, his yeah. podcasting career on like not early as in like episode 20 but no. early as in maybe around 500 no. or 600 episode okay. 500 600 yeah I, i think i recall him talking to some of his friends no. uh, i don't know who it was but Uh, regarding moving out of LA yeah. I think he considered like Colorado uh, for a while mm. and stuff um and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that he and we have also discussed this that if you live in a major city and shit hits the fan whether that be war or corona or yeah. whatever it might be um 
lack of water, lack of yeah. uh, food, whatever it might be, it's more safe to be in a smaller community where you know the people, you know your neighbors, yeah. you help each other out. That entire thing. If you're living in an apartment in the in the middle of Gothenburg or in the middle yeah. of Stockholm, you don't know the person living next to you. Um, you don't know the people in the same apartment complex no. as you. Um, or probably not that well. And you probably won't even have any extra resources than the ones you can get from the supermarket yeah. or from the store. But if you own a bit of land and you, you live a bit on the countryside um, and you have some neighbors that you know yeah. quite well, you can help each other out. Uh, and I think that's one of the concerns that he had in the beginning. Yeah, probably. Oh, okay. So yeah. it feels like a wrap there. Yeah, yeah. I think 